Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. Here we are for another great Wednesday night united. We're excited about what God is doing, what He's saying to us. All the things that He's uh, speaking to us about this year, they're all coming to pass. And uh, we're so grateful that uh, He is uh, leading us and guiding us and directing us uh, in all truth. And uh, God's good to us. So we want to continue tonight with the subject that we've been on, uh, Let Us Draw Near. Uh, This is the 16th installment of this. And uh, our foundation scripture has been Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. And the first part of that verse says, Let us draw near. And uh, when I actually began this series, uh, it was more, uh, I was thinking along the lines of, of nearness to God. Uh, in the sense of drawing near to Him uh, in our worship, in our praise, in the activities of our life. And as I got into it, uh, the Lord began to lead me down this road of renewing the mind and uh, how that that is going to be essential in us drawing near to God and living the life of nearness that God desires that we live. And so the word, the phrase, draw near, means to be near, to worship, to draw near. Now, let's go over to Romans 12. And we have been here for uh, a few weeks. But you know, it's, uh, I heard the story one time about uh, a minister that was preaching, an older minister. And he made the statement, he said, uh, you know, when you go to uh, cut down a tree, he said, what you have to do first of all, and you know, I found this to be true after hearing from several other people as well, uh, what you have to do first of all is clear the path that you want the tree to lay on, all right? Because the worst thing, the most dangerous thing you can have happen is for that tree that you're cutting down to get caught in another tree or to get hung up because now you've got a problem. And so you got to clear the brush, you got to clear the path. And so the last 15 weeks, we've been clearing the path so we can lay some big trees down. Amen. And, uh, you know, so it takes some time, but we've got a lot of time uh, to get it all out. Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I want you to see something. Of course, we've talked about how this is an intentional act on our part In other words, it's something you can't do without thinking about it. 
uh, you get up every day and you present your body a living sacrifice. You get up every day and you work on not being conformed, on being transformed. It's something that we do with our bodies and our minds every day. All right, God's not going to do it. I have to do it. And he says here to present your body, and then he says to renew your mind. Renew your mind. Now, very often, especially in our circles, this is uh, uh, used in the sense of renewing our minds to our covenant rights, uh, renewing our minds uh, to the fact that we're righteous, to the fact that we're new creatures, uh, that God wants us healed, that God wants us delivered and, and set free and financially prosperous. Uh, you know, renewing our minds so that we can think like God thinks. And we talked about that earlier. But when you look at this, this is really not the application of renewing our minds in this scripture. Now, it's right and it's valid, but it's not the application in the scripture that we're looking at. Hallelujah. Uh, and and, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because uh, this word conformed is a compound from two words. The first word means with or together, and the second word means form. So what the Holy Spirit is saying is simply this. Do not be with or together with the world's form, All right? Let, let me explain it this way. When uh, uh, back last year, when uh, this pandemic hit the world, one of the first things that the Lord dealt with me to talk about was not to be afraid, not to walk in fear. Now, I, of course, we're not, we're not uh, silly people, and, and we're, we weren't like some people. We recognized that that virus was real, all right, just like any other virus is real, and it was acting like a pandemic acts, all right? And, and we knew that, and, and, I, and I said it to several people. I said, you know, uh, uh, those of us, uh, even in the Word of Faith, I said all of us are going to know somebody that, that either had this virus or were impacted by it, and sure enough, uh, we did. But here's the thing. The Lord kept telling us not to fear. I taught for a number of weeks on not fearing what they fear, all right? Not falling into that pattern of panic and fear. Why? That's thinking like the world. That's being conformed to the world's way of thinking. All right, now this is a, a very simple illustration. And, and you see that pattern of thinking has still held on and is still holding on in the world and even in many believers' lives. Hallelujah. You, 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 you have believers that have fell into that line of thinking. Well, the application of this scripture is that we're not to be conformed to the world's pattern. Uh, one, one man, the Phillips translation says, don't be squeezed into their mold. The Woost Bible says, stop assuming an outward expression. Notice, that does not come from within you and is not representative of what you are in your inner being, here it is, but is patterned after this age. After this age. 
In his book, Word Studies in the Greek, Kenneth Woos translates this, Stop masquerading in the trappings of this world. Notice, it's mannerisms, speech expressions, styles, habits, thoughts, views, and philosophies. Now that covers the gamut. That covers every area. He says, stop masquerading. Well, think about this for a moment. If you went to a masquerade party, all right? Now, I know as Christians we may not go to those, but you know what it is. A masquerade party is something where you go and you wear a mask. And you look like something on the outside that you're not. Right? You look like something on the outside that you're not. And he says, stop that. Stop looking like something that you're not. He said, let let the image that shines forth be that that is within you. Notice what he says. That does not come from within you and is not representative of what you are in your inner being. There are a lot of believers that what they look like on the outside, what they talk like on the outside, how they act on the outside is not a true representation of who they are on the inside. This is so important. Because because when I start operating in fear and I start operating in dread and I start acting that way, that is not a representation of who I am on the inside. That means I'm falling into the spirit of this age. And he said, don't fall into their expressions, their styles, their habits, their thoughts. Notice that. Their views and their philosophies. This is so important. Because if you start going down the road and thinking the world's thoughts and have their views and their philosophies, then I'm being patterned after this age. And Paul says that this is what the Roman Christians were doing. They were patterning patterning themselves after the world's views, the world's habits, the world's thoughts, their expressions, their philosophies. And Paul says, stop doing that. Many Christians are doing that today. And Paul says, you need to stop it. Remember, we talked about that in the Greek. When he says, do not be conformed, it's the present imperative in the Greek. Stop it. Stop right now. Don't do that anymore. Hallelujah. This this is important because he tells them to stop it. In 1 Corinthians 7, this is a, a, a scripture That's so important where this is concerned. And verse 31. And it says, And they that use this world is not abusing it. Notice, for the fashion of this world passes away. The fashion of this world passeth away. We're not to pattern our lives after the world. And what the world thinks. And what the world looks like. And how the world behaves. 
Why? Everything about the world is passing away. It's, it's all passing away. And when you begin to pattern your life after the world, you're patterning your life about something that's going to pass away and is passing away. Hallelujah. I, I saw this recently. Well, let me, let me go on. I'll, I'll use that illustration in a moment. The word for world here is the Greek word aeon, A-I-O-N, aeon, and it means age, age. When you read, for instance, in, in the book of Revelation, and it talks about uh, the lake of fire and how it's everlasting punishment, eternal punishment. Well, that word everlasting or eternal, it means age upon unending age. In the Greek, it's aeon upon aeon upon aeon upon aeon upon aeon. And, and, and it means it's age after age after age after age after unending ages. All right, so it's eternal. Well, the, the eternal is not here on this word. And it's saying that this age is going to pass away. This world, this age will pass away. Well, here's the thing to understand. This age is influenced by darkness. The, 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 the spirit of the world, the spirit of this age is influenced by darkness. And when I start thinking, acting, taking their philosophies, thinking the way they think, acting the way they think, I am acting like somebody that's influenced by darkness. And I can't allow that. And Paul says... In the Amplified Bible of Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after, adapted to, notice this, its external superficial customs. Notice, don't be fashioned after or adapted to. Hmm. This world and the men and women living in it primarily today are lost. Primarily. The people driving this age are primarily lost. Primarily in darkness. And we have to guard against the spirit of this age. Because it's more subtle than you think it is. All right? It's, it's, the, the devil is always more subtle than you think he is. He, he likes for people to paint him as this ferocious, uh, overbearing, uh, 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 monster, hideous-like creature that's breathing fire. When in reality, the Bible says he masquerades as an angel of light. He works in the thought processes of people to change their thought processes, to think like he's thinking. Very, listen, I say very rarely, I, just really not ever, does he just show up as this horrible looking monster like creature because that's not how he works. And the spirit of the age is the same way. The spirit of this age that we're living in is the same way. It's subtle. It, it doesn't just show up. And, and, and start to do things blatantly. It, it works subtly on people. For, for instance, uh, 
I hear a lot of believers make statements like this today. Well, you know, I mean, uh, I know what the Bible says, but, you know, you got to use wisdom. And, and, and uh, you know, we don't want people to think that we don't like them. And what they're saying is I can't really tell the truth because I don't want people to think I don't like them. I want to be accepted by people in this age. Why do we want to be accepted by the people in this age? When, when we are believers, you, you've got to guard against that. See, this is, this is part of renewing the mind. The Phillips translation says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. We are to renounce the spirit of this age in all of its forms. Why? Very important reason. It will ruin our walk with God. We renounce that. It'll make our testimony ineffective. I'm born again. I'm saved. God delivered me. If I don't renounce the spirit of this age in all of its forms, it will ruin my walk with God and it will make my testimony ineffective. Hallelujah. Because the church is better at not conforming to the world's behavior than we are at not conforming to the world's thoughts. See, behavior is important. That's what I was going to say in the very beginning of this. Behavior is important. And very often when people read Romans 12 and 1 and 2, they focus on behavior. We're new creatures. Uh, we're the righteousness of God. Uh, we're blessed. We're healed. Behavior is important, but let me ask you a question tonight. But here's the issue. How do we think? How you behave is important, but how do you think? Hallelujah. See, we're better at conforming, at not conforming to the world's behavior than we are at not conforming to the world's thoughts. Right? How, how does the world think? And, and, and I'm going to deal with something very specifically. How, how does the world think? They, they're the ones that come up with this slogan, you can't help who you love. In, in other words, if you're a man and you find yourself attracted to a man, well, you can't help it. See, that's the way the world thinks. If you're a woman and you find yourself attracted to a woman, well, you can't help it. You can't help who you love. If you're a man that's married to a woman and you see another woman and, and, and you lust after her and you decide you're in love with her, the world says, well, hey, you know, that's okay. You can't help who you love. That's the world's way of thinking. But here's how it creeps into the church. And, and, and I've, heard, I've heard people say this. I, I've, I've heard people say this. Well, you know, I mean, if two people love each other and they want to get married and, and live together, what's wrong with that? Even if they are, you know, two men or two women. Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with it. The Bible's against it. See, I can't even start to allow my mind to go down that thought road. It's not just that it's sin. 
It's something that hurts the heart of God. It's, it's something that we are told not only to do, we are told to not even think that it's even remotely okay. See, this is important. Because if, if I don't think right, I, I lose out. I said this earlier in one of the messages, that if you don't renew your mind consistently, you begin to fall short and fall behind in the things of God. So, behavior is important, but how do we think? See, the church has went so far, many in the church have went so far uh, down the road of conformity to an extent because they don't want to appear judgmental. They don't want to appear uncaring. They don't want to appear as, as if we're uh, on a soapbox and, uh, you know, we are uh, uh, holier than thou and self-righteous. Well, here's the thing. Once I begin to think like the world, I become ineffective. Because what makes me effective in the things of God is I don't think like the world. Hallelujah. I mean, who, who are we trying to identify with? You, you see this? Who are we trying to identify with? I remember when uh, back, well, this has been many years ago, 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, and uh, uh, I worked at a certain corporation, and there was a guy there that worked there, and he was a nice man. He was a good man, good, good guy. I liked him. He liked me. And he was a believer. And uh, there was a group of, uh, of our coworkers that, uh, very often, they would, they, we worked some on Saturdays, and they would leave on Saturdays, and they would all go to the bar uh, to hang out and visit, and, you know, uh, we would call it in the church fellowship, but they were going to the bar, and they were all going to drink and, and you know, uh, 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 enjoy their, their, the life they were living. And uh, one day, I was standing there, and uh, this other believer was standing there with me, and uh, a guy came up, or he was standing beside me, and, and a guy came up and said, you know, we're all going down such such bar. And uh, he looked at that guy and he said, uh, he said, I, I, know, I know that you won't want to go, you know, being as you're a Christian. And I, I remember what he said. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I can go. He said, uh, I'll just drink a Coke. Now, now, here's the thing. There are believers that will say, well, what's wrong with that? What do you mean, what's wrong with that? What is wrong with a believer being in a bar? You, you don't fit. See, that's where darkness is. And the Bible says that we do not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now, that may be a given to many of you watching, all right? Many of you here tonight, because uh, I know the church you go to, and I know what you're taught. But the spirit of this age is this, that I can be a believer and still believe abortion is okay, and homosexuality is okay, 
and these other transgenderism and these other things are okay. I can, I can be a believer and still believe that they're okay and still want good for them and stand up for their rights as an American. Listen, there may be things that people have a right to believe because we live in a free country, but it doesn't make what they have a right to believe right. Doesn't make it right. There are people that have a right, they, they believe that abortion is okay, and they have a right to believe that under our Constitution, but that does not make it right. And when you start going down that road, then your thinking gets darkened. This is so important. So he says, stop being conformed and start being transformed. Again, the Bruce Bible said, change your outward expression to one that comes from within and is representative of your inner being. How? By renewing your mind. So a transformation is basically this, a change of the outward expression to one that's representative of our inner man. It's, it's the Greek word metamorpho. And, and, and it gives us this idea. We, we all know about the metamorphosis of the caterpillar into the butterfly. All right? And, and we like the butterfly a lot better than we like the caterpillar. Because the caterpillar is kind of gross. You know, if you're out in the yard working and a caterpillar falls out of the tree on you, uh, you're more likely to go, oh, and knock it off. But what do people do with butterflies? They put out their hand and try to get them to land. Are you following me? But here's what I want you to see. That butterfly was always in the caterpillar. It was always there. But there came a time when the metamorphosis occurred. There came a time when the transformation occurred. Hallelujah. So we can't allow our outward expression to be influenced by this world when that is not who we are. It's not who we are. The, the butterfly was in the caterpillar, yet the butterfly is not the caterpillar. He took on a totally different outward expression. That caterpillar weaves that cocoon, and out of that cocoon comes that beautiful butterfly. And that carcass of that caterpillar is left in that cocoon. When you got born again, you were wrapped in the cocoon of sin and sinful nature. And when you got born again, you were transformed. You were absolutely a spiritual metamorphosis occurred and you became a brand new creature. And when you begin to live for God and you begin to renew your mind, what began to happen was this. What had happened on the inside of you began to show up on the outside of you. Hallelujah. See, People think, well, I just got saved, and that's why I quit doing this, and that's why I quit doing that, because I got saved. Well, that was part of it, 
because your nature was, 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 was reborn and your nature was remade in the image of God. But here's what happened. As you got a hold of the Word of God, as you begin to think like God thought, then your thinking, your thought processes begin to change and you begin to understand that you didn't have anything in common with your friends anymore. You didn't have anything in common with those sinners that you used to hang out with and you actually became uncomfortable around them. Because my outward expression became a representative of who I was on the inside. Glory to God. In 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18, it says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, or by the Lord of the Spirit. The Roost Bible says, We all with uncovered face, reflecting as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, according as this change of expression proceeds from the Lord, the Spirit, this outward expression, coming from and being truly representative of the Lord. Well, we know from this verse and from the book of James that the mirror is the Word, the law of liberty. That's what James calls it, all right? We look into the perfect law of liberty. He, uh, Paul calls it a mirror. As we look into the Word, we're changed. And what happens? We begin to reflect what we're seeing. We begin to reflect what we're gazing on. See, James said that if you hear the word and you don't do it, all right, you're like a man looking in the mirror and you forget what you look like if you don't do the word. So the word is a mirror. You see in the word and you see what you should do, but you also see what you should be. And Paul said that what happens is with open face we behold in a glass the glory of the Lord and we're changed into that same image of what we are seeing. Hallelujah. So we're to reflect God's glory. But it's not just external. It comes from within us. Not just external. There are services that we have, and the glory of the Lord comes in the, in the room. But understand what that is. That's a reflection of the glory that's in us. So the we'll say the glory of God showed up. The glory was already there. It was released. And so it's a reflection of what comes from within us. But notice something. It's the Spirit of God, it's the Holy Spirit that affects this change in our life by the Spirit of the Lord. But He will not do it without our involvement in the Word. I have to involve myself in the Word. 
I, I remember in the process of renewing my mind many years ago, uh, in, uh, I was in Lenexa, Kansas. This was, this was uh, over 30 years ago in, in uh, uh, my little apartment there off 95th Street. And I would get up in the mornings and I was, I was looking for a change in, in some things in my life. And I began to read Romans chapter 8. And I would just read Romans chapter 8 and I would take my Bible and just walk from one end of that little living room uh, to the other end. And every day I was in, in the Word. I was in Romans chapter 8 in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon. And, and here's something that happened. I began to, I don't even know that I necessarily knew what I was doing, but I began to renew my mind. I began to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. There are many believers that they're born again and they're saved, but they are not giving the Holy Spirit any word to work with to renew their mind. See, I, I, I've got to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. Hallelujah. And when I do that and I renew my mind with the word, that gives the Holy Spirit something to work with in transforming me, in transforming us. When, when, when you, for instance, you go through the Scripture and, uh, and, and you see the Scripture where it says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We'll read that in a little bit. But rather, reprove them. Well, now the Holy Spirit has something to work with. When, when the Bible says, uh, 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 for instance, to love one another. And I'm renewing my mind with that. The Holy Spirit now has something to work with. But until I'm in the Word, until I'm ingesting the Word, there's nothing for Him to help me with. And here's the thing. If I'm allowing the thoughts the ideas and patterns of the world to creep into my life, then the Holy Spirit's hindered in that transformation because I'm thinking like the world. I have my pattern of idea like the world. It's so important. Hallelujah. It can, it can be something simple or it can be something major. Right? I've, I've known of stories of people that weren't married and, and yet they were, they were uh, being intimate sexually. And, and when they met with the counselor in the church that they were going to and, and the man said, look, you know, uh, you all can't be doing that. The man said, no, it's okay. He said, well, how is it okay? He said, because uh, uh, every time before we have sex, we ask the Lord to forgive us. What? But you're not married. See, that's how the world thinks. Somebody say, well, we're going to be married. Well, going to be married is exactly the same as not married. It's exactly the same. <laughs> See, now, if, if I pattern myself after the world, then I'm saying I want all the benefits of this marital relationship with none of the commitment and none of the responsibility. That's how the world thinks. 
That's the pattern of the world. That's the habit of the world. And what happens then is my transformation is hindered. My transformation is hindered. See, when you pattern yourself after the world, you know, there, there are believers that, you know, they'll make statements like, well, you know, going to church isn't that important. That's exactly how the world thinks. And, and notice that the world gets no benefit out of the church because they don't see the necessity of going. See, that's how the world thinks. The, the, the Lord was sharing something with me some time ago. And, you know, back in, uh, uh, just to show you how people think, back in uh, uh, around the election last, last year, there were some men and women of God that were saying some things that they believed God had spoke to them. And, uh, uh, you know, I, it, it seems as if, you know, much of what they said didn't occur. And, uh, uh, you know, that's not my place to judge them. I'm just saying what happened. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to the church about it. And I said, be careful. You know, be led by the Spirit. Don't put all your trust in what's being said by people. Uh, be led by your Spirit. I don't ever want to discount that. But there are believers, and I've heard some of them basically say it. There are believers that say, oh, man, they missed it. And, and can you believe that? And not going to listen to them anymore. Not going to trust them anymore. And that same believer will not come to church because somebody in the media or somebody that's supposed to be an expert says it's not safe. Now, understand this. Understand the hypocrisy of this. Because they'll look at a man or a woman of God that seems to have missed it and say, I'm not going to listen to them no more. But this guy over here or this lady over here that's been wrong multiple times in everything they've said, they will make life decisions based on what they're saying. See, that's thinking like the world. How I've been asking people, how many times do these people have to be wrong before you quit listening to them? And when I say that, people will say, well, you know, we, we just don't want to be uh, flippant. We, you know, we want to take precautions. I'm not telling you not to take precautions. I'm not telling you not to be uh, 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 observant, right, about, about what you do. But what I'm telling you is when somebody says something and they're wrong, and then they say something else and they're wrong, and then they say something else and they're wrong, and yet you're still making your decisions based on what they are saying, even though they're wrong, there has to be a transformation. There has to be a transformation. It's not that we don't pay attention and we're not cautious and we're right, we're not safe. But the logic is, if you will quit believing a man or a woman of God because they seem to miss it, then why don't you apply that same thinking to what's being said in the world? I'll tell you why. Because that believer is feeding on what the world feeds on. And they're getting their information from what the world says, and they're making their decisions based on what the world says. 
and you can't do that. That hinders the transformation. Why? I'm responsible to give the Holy Spirit the right things to work with in my life. I'm responsible. If, if I am feeding on the world's philosophy, the Holy Spirit will not confirm the world's philosophy. He will not. Amen. And I've had people say, well, I, you know, I don't want to be afraid. I'm trying not to be afraid. If you don't want to be afraid, you've got to change what you're listening to. You've got to quit listening to it. If it produces fear, you're going to have fear. Amen. Pastor Michelle was ministering on this. I think it was in her last message or maybe the message before last. But she was talking about how people will say, well, how are you going to know what's going on? Listen, somebody will tell you. Somebody will be kind and gracious and let you know what's going on without me having to feed on it. Hallelujah. Do, 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 do you see this? Glory to God. And, and, and I talked about it being subtle. You know, I've used this illustration before. But uh, if you put out poison, if you want to put out poison, let, 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 let me use this illustration. I, this, is, this is old school, and I'm old enough to remember this. Uh, we don't see them a lot nowadays. But, you know, uh, back when I was uh, younger, just a boy, you know, uh, if you had a, uh, uh, a mouse problem, you'd put out a mouse trap. And the mousetrap we used, you know, nowadays they have humane mousetraps, right? Or a mousetrap that you don't have to see the mouse after it's dead. We, we had those uh, real simple yet real effective traps. You pulled the bar back and fastened it. Anybody remember those? And you put a little peanut butter or a little sugar or a little syrup on the trigger. Remember? Now, now listen. Why didn't you just put the trap out with nothing on it? It wouldn't attract the mouse. What is the mouse focused on? The peanut butter. Right? And remember, you'd be sitting there in your living room or your bedroom I remember one time a family member had one, uh, one behind the refrigerator. And we were sitting there in the living room, and you heard, Wah! and then you heard, blah, 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 blah. that mouse flopping around. Well, here's the point. That mouse was oblivious to what could happen because it was focused on the peanut butter on the trap. If you want to poison a nuisance pest, that's, 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 you know, causing some problem. Well, you don't just take the poison and pour it out on the ground in a mound and hope they'll come eat it. You disguise it. You put it in something, a piece of meat, something that they're going to eat. And in ingesting what they think is good, they're going to get the poison. 
That's how subtle the spirit of this age is. It packages its thoughts, it, its thought processes in a manner that people will ingest it. And what they don't understand, especially believers, is that while they're ingesting their thought patterns and their ideas and their philosophies, they're getting the poison that comes along with it. Hallelujah. How the world thinks should not seem right to you and I. It should not. If my attitude about daily life is out of sync with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will be greatly hindered in my life. If my attitude is out of sync, I'm going to tell you, I was, I was, I was, uh, I was young enough when all this stuff began to come out. You know, there was, there was a, uh, uh, a man that wrote uh, books on child rearing called Dr. Spock, Benjamin Spock. Some of you may not be old enough to remember him, uh, but it is not Dr. Spock with pointed ears. All right? He was an actual doctor. And, and, and uh, he wrote books on raising children and rearing children. And, and, you know, he was the first one that began to advocate, you know, one of the first ones, not to spank your child, you know, to set your child down and talk to him. And... You know, I mean, I understand that there's a time that you talk to your child rather than maybe physically, uh, corporally uh, discipline them. But I, I still know what the Word says. It says there's a rod of correction that will drive foolishness from the heart of a child. And it may not have to be used all the time. It, if you teach your child to be uh, 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 tenderhearted and open to the things of God, you may not ever have to use it. But here's the thing. When all of that came out, it did not affect my mother's thinking at all. Number one, she didn't read it. And number two, had she read it, she wouldn't have cared. Because she knew what the Word said. Hallelujah. And so, if I did anything that was bad enough to require that type of discipline, I assure you, I received it. Amen. And I could go into the, all the clichéic things. You know, having to cut your own switch. And if you brought a little pitiful one in there, you got switched with that one and you were told to go out and get one that do the job. Now I'm not saying that all of that was 100% correct, but what I'm saying is it didn't affect her thinking because this is what the Word says. And she did not want me to grow up being a fool. She wanted me to grow up and be successful. Amen. And so when the scripture says something, and my attitude, my attitude about life is out of sync with the word, the Holy Spirit is hindered in my life. Amen. You know, Brother Hagin said this one time. He said, you can't have the morals of a back alley cat and expect God to keep blessing you. This is important. Because that, that would mean that my thought about how I'm to live my life is out of sync with the Word of God. Listen, if our friends living in sin, are living in sin and they're not made comfortable by our lives, we may not be shining. 
I, I, I'm not talking about going around and condemning people and laying a guilt trip on them and preaching to them all the time. I mean, the Bible says that your light should shine so that people can see God in you. Hallelujah. You know, there, there are family members that I have and, and people that I know, family members, that are not born again. And you know, when Pastor Michelle and I come around them, they change what they're saying. They change, they change what they watch. Amen. Well, they should do that all the time. Well, yeah, they should do that all the time. But when we show up, there's a sense of righteousness that shows up. They are made somewhat uncomfortable by our life. And, and you know, it's not that we preach, and it's not that we, we pound the desk and tell them what they're doing is wrong. It, we just live our life. And if they say, hey, do you watch this show? We say, no, we don't watch that. And we don't say, we don't watch that because it's sinful. You know, good, dirty. No, that's not what we do. No, we don't watch that. We don't care for it. See, our lives should make people living in sin uncomfortable. It should make them want to know why we live the way we live. How is it that you're not afraid? Why is it that you're not panicked? How is it in the middle of a pandemic you had the best year you've ever had? How is it that you were blessed? How is it that during a pandemic you didn't even have a cold? Right? I'm using that as an illustration because our light should be shining. We're not to win this world by becoming buddies with this world. Hallelujah. I, I, know, I know people that are unsaved. I have acquaintances that are unsaved. I have a very good relationship with, with my neighbors in my neighborhood. And all of them are not saved. I want to get them saved. I want them to be born again. But, you know, if they're not saved, if they're not born again, they're not going to be my buddy. We don't have anything in common. It doesn't matter if we both like to fish. Well, we have that in common. But having fishing in common does not mean I buddy up with them. Because at some point, their lifestyle and my lifestyle are going to be in conflict. Hallelujah. If we take on another worldview when we're around the unsaved, then we just want to be accepted by them. You don't take on another worldview because you're around unsaved people. What you believe is what you believe. This is important. Because that, that's called hypocrisy. When you take on another worldview because of who you're around. I remember being a teenager, and we had come back from, from Bible camp, youth camp, and boy, we were on fire for the Lord, and as normally would happen when you'd come back from youth camp, and man, we were on fire for the Lord, and me and, me and one of my buddies, and, and uh, you know, I'm in church on a, on, a, on, a, on a Friday night, and he's there too, and, and uh, uh, you know, we're, we're getting out of church, and, and I was talking to him, I said, hey, we're all headed over such, such house, and you know, we're, I think, you know, we were going to watch a, 
uh, a Christian movie or, or Bible study or something. I don't, forget, I don't remember exactly what it was. And uh, I remember him saying, no, he said, uh, I'm going to go up to the dance. And I said, well, why are you going to the dance? And he said, uh, well, I'm going to go up there and witness. Well, I mean, even at the age I was, I couldn't have been more than 17. But even at the age I was, I knew he wasn't going to witness. Something had shifted. Well, he went on to the dance, and you know, it wasn't very long. When I'd go to his house, uh, he didn't want to come to church. He, he didn't want to be in the youth group anymore. He didn't want to have Bible study. Why? Because he started taking on another worldview. Now, very often when we talk about things like that, people want to bring up legalism. You know, because we were raised Pentecostal, and you, you didn't go to dances, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do that. Well, I understand that just the don't do's are not going to give you the power to live a, 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 a victorious life. But here's what I want you to understand. We did understand that that was what the world did, and that's not what we were supposed to do. Mm. We can't afford to lose our testimony with the unsaved because we want to identify with them so much. I mean, we're saved. You're born again. You've got to let that outward expression that's on the inside of you show up on the outside. Glory to God. Amen. When somebody asked, Peter said, always be ready to give a reason for what you believe. Always. Amen. When we get on the world's bandwagon, now hear me when I say this, they are not impressed and we are not influencing them. And, and <coughs> excuse me, I, I, I've got about 10 minutes. I want to say this. I've never seen a time where I, I have more Christians that are on uh, the, the same bandwagon as the world. And, and, and these things will begin to blow through cities. You know, recently we've had uh, all of this, uh, uh, you know, social uh, justice bandwagons that have come up. And I see Christians protesting with groups that are ungodly. Ungodly, unbiblical, ran by ungodly, unbiblical people. And you see Christians promoting them. That makes your testimony ineffective. Because you cannot support someone that lives that lifestyle and then say that lifestyle is anti-biblical. Amen. Do, do you see this? See, my, my thinking has to change. Yeah, but there needs to be social justice. There does need to be social justice. And the Bible tells us how to get it. To get born again. And in the kingdom, in the church, all men are equal. We're all the same. That's how you get social justice. That's how you get social equality. 
is when you're being taught that what makes us equal is the blood of Jesus Christ and the ground around the cross is level for every man. It's the same for everybody. You're never going to have that with the world system. Because as much as, as, much as they want to talk about social justice, it's not social justice as much as it is I want to be where you're at and I'm going to pull you down so I can be where you're at and I'm going to pull you down and walk on you because I've been walked on. Well, that's not justice. That's not equality. That's me and you switching places. Or you and I, however you want to say it. Amen. But you'll, you'll see nationally known ministers that are backing up groups that are anti-Bible. Folks, that won't work. You're getting on the world's bandwagon. You'll have Christians that will say, well, you know, I believe abortion's a good thing. I believe every woman has a right to choose. <laughs> well, you, what, Pastor, you want to take away a woman's right to choose? Listen, nobody has the right to choose murder. You don't have a right to choose to murder someone. Even just because you can. Just because you can go get an abortion doesn't mean it's right to go do it. And I will not support your right to do that. Amen. Well, I like to get together with my neighbors and, you know, uh, 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 and, 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 and they do this and, and you know they have their cocktail parties and, and, and you know they want me to come and, and, and all these different things. Listen, listen, listen. I don't, I don't have any problem in get-togethers with your neighbors. But listen, when the drinks start flowing, I'm out. Right? Because that's not what we do. It's not what we do. I mean, if you just want to be a uh, barbecue and you got a few burgers and some chicken wings, I'll come over. Right? But, but I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and watch everybody stagger around after they've had three or four drinks and act like it's okay. I don't want to be a part of that. Oh, glory. Do, do you got another minute? Look at, look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and... Uh, Verse 17, he says, This I say and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you've not so learned Christ. If so be you've heard him and trust and taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Notice that you put off the former conversation, the old man, corrupt in the, according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This is talking about conduct, but it's also talking about the mind. Notice what it says about the sinner. They are alienated from the life of God. Now think about this. 
So why would you want to think or act like them? They're alienated from the life of God. They're apart from the life of God. They're separate from the life of God that's been implanted in us as believers. They have no access to it. Why would we think or act like them? It's important. I've got to get rid of what's on the outside and let what's on the inside show up on the outside. Got to get rid of it and let the real me show up. Glory to God. In Ephesians 5, uh, verse 8, it says, You were sometimes darkness, now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now notice that. I was darkness, but now I'm light. Walk, notice, walk, conduct your life as children of light. Oh, this is important. This is, not, this is not a sermon about conduct. It's a sermon about your mind. When you get up every day, you're thinking like light. You're walking as children of light. You're thinking in every situation. What would light do? What, what would a child of the light do here? How would I think? Glory to God. And he says, notice, have no fellowship. The word is communion. Close communion. With, notice, the unfruitful works of darkness. But rather, reprove them. Our light is intended to expose sin. Not in a guilt trip and condemnation. Our light is intended to expose sin. Whether they want to admit it or not, when you get around unsaved loved ones or unsaved uh, people that you know, maybe even unsaved friends, and you get around them, something in you is exposing what they're doing. Hallelujah. And, and, and if, if, if you are intended to do the right thing, that that's on the inside of you will be noticed by them. Glory to God. In James 4, James chapter 4, and uh, verse 4, You adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know? Oh my, watch now. That friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Or lusteth enviously? He says that when a believer tries to be a friend of God, it bothers the Holy Spirit. Or when, it, when a believer tries to be a friend of the world, it bothers the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. 
Now I know that, and I say it too, every believer needs an unsaved friend, but they don't need to be unsaved long. We should be winning them to the Lord. But here's the point. Friendship, he says, notice, friendship with the world. Remember, we're talking about that age. Being friendly with the spirit of this age. He says you can't do that and not be an enemy of God. Why? Because what do we read in Ephesians? They are alienated from the life of God. Before you were born again, you were an enemy of God. The Bible says that. It says you had to be reconciled to God. You were an enemy of God. Why? Because everything you believe was against God. But now we're not against God, we're for God. Hallelujah. Last scripture, 1 John 2. 1 John 2 and uh, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see that? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, it is of the world. And notice, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. Oh, glory. So notice, love not the world or the things in the world. Well, you know, that's not talking about not enjoying your home or your car or, or a vacation. It's saying those things do not have the preeminence in my life. When sinners see us, they should be impacted by the difference in our lives. Not by how much we're like them. This this doesn't mean that you dress weird, right? Doesn't mean that you dress weird and, and you look all out of style so that you can look like a believer. That's not looking like a believer. That's just looking like you don't have any fashion sense. You can be very fashionable and be a believer and your light shine. This is talking about that we don't think. The things, the things that they desire, we don't desire. And it says, here's what he's saying. You cannot have and a, 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 a immense love for the things of the world and keep your love hot for the things of God. It just won't happen. Amen? We love God. I, I love God and use money. I never use God and love money. I love God and He gives me money. But I love God. I don't love cars and use God. I love God and He blesses me with good cars. I don't love my house and use God. I love God and He blessed me with a home. Do, do you see this? This is, this is what's so important. It's not just conduct. It's the way we think. Amen. That's a good place to tell your neighbor, I don't think like the world. So, Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for the opportunity that we've had to share the word. Lord, I pray that what we've said tonight would have made a difference in the lives of your people. And, Lord, we've made the decision to lay our lives 
on the altar and to present our body a living sacrifice to you, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service. And we are renewing our mind every day according to the word of God. So, Father, I thank you for your people. Thank you for the word of God. And thank you for the power of the word to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.